Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the 545th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'll give you, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at, of course, Red Bull News Network. But don't forget, this is always going to be this show about American soccer. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer to the best of my abilities. And I want to go back to Thursday, late afternoon, early evening, in Manhattan, in Midtown, over at the Fox Studios, where we had ourselves the introduction and the announcement of the stadiums that will participate within the United States, the majority of them in the United States, the two in Toronto, excuse me, the two in Canada, and the three that will be a part of Mexico in the up-and-coming next World Cup in 2026 after this one will be played this upcoming November and December. It's, it's, it's part of a journey where you think to yourself, it has finally come to fruition. Not just the awarding of the next World Cup in 2026, but to have the federations of Canada, Mexico, and the United States partnering into this magical situation this is something that, to be fair, uh, I never thought I would see. I thought maybe U.S. and Canada would be sharing it. I thought maybe Mexico would not even entertain to be part of a three-nation hosting situation for this World Cup. And, you know, I was shocked that they would agree to this, that they would say, yes, we would like to have a part of the trifecta to make it official. To have three nations being allowed to join forces to bring this World Cup to the north zone of CONCACAF the North American World Cup, in my mind, is just amazing to see that even though there is healthy competition to say who is the best in this confederation, what we have seen from these three nations, in my mind, working well together, and finding a way, finding a way to get this job done after the calamity during the Sepp Blatter era of handing this current World Cup to the nation of Qatar and forcing a World Cup to be played in the winter due to the harsh weather that the summer brings in that country. It was supposed to be England in 2018, except it went to Russia. It was supposed to come here to the United States, except it went to Qatar. Later finding out that Sepp Blatter wanted the Asian Football Confederation president Bin Hamim to be removed and kicked out so he could remain in power 
to run the world's governing body of this sport. And for that, he handed Qatar the easiest of all bids where everyone was scratching their heads. How could this happen? But it did. All because one man wanted to stay in power to run the world's governing body of the sport. And the corruption continued under Sepp Blatter. Hopefully the corruption ends with Gianni Infantino. It sounds like he's been doing a pretty good job so far, but you have to be weary. I thought the days of corruption were over when Jeffrey Webb was running CONCACAF, when uh, Jack Warner was excluded out of CONCACAF and as a vice president of FIFA. But sadly, that was not the case. And hopefully we're seeing that positive stuff with Victor Montagliani coming from the Canadian Soccer Association. But when we saw the host cities being announced, you just said to yourself, it's finally here. It's finally arrived. Vancouver, Toronto, representing Canada. Guadalajara, Monterrey, Mexico City, representing Mexico. Seattle joins the party. Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. The San Francisco Bay Area, Levi Stadium. Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium. The two-step in Texas with Dallas and Houston. AT&T Stadium, also known as Jerry Jones World. NRG Stadium in downtown Houston. Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Now Miami instead of Orlando in the state of Florida at the Hard Rock Stadium. Boston back at it, this time at Gillette Stadium. The Meadowlands in the New York, New Jersey area. MetLife Stadium. And finally, Philadelphia joins the party at Lincoln Financial Field. Yes, it's tough not to see Chicago. Yes, it's tough not to have the Washington, D.C. area as well as Baltimore joining in on the party as they did last the last time the World Cup was here in 1994, being at RFK Stadium. I think FIFA wanted to try and bring it back to the majority of the original sites and cities as much as they could, but they decided that there was going to be some new additions coming in like Houston, like Seattle, like Atlanta, and Miami. But let me just say this. This will still be a hell of a World Cup. More teams in this expanded World Cup, 48 of them from 32. This will be the final 32-team World Cup in Qatar. And the world will be coming to the United States. The world will be coming to Canada and the world will be coming to Mexico. This will be a lot of fun. This will be exciting. And I cannot wait in four years. What basically this means is for Canada, for Mexico... And for the United States, we can take a break 
from the qualification cycle. We can relax. We can rest. We don't have to worry about a darn thing. Let everyone else fight for it. Let everyone else in CONCACAF fight for those extra spots and let them have all the fun in the world. This, my friends, is the exciting part. This, my friends, is the fun part that the World Cup brings when you are the host or one of the hosts in this trifecta of hosting the world's greatest party of world soccer, of world football. This, my friends, is what we've been waiting for, and I cannot wait. Yes, I still feel that 2022 should still have belonged to the United States as a standalone, but sadly... We all know how that ended up, and it's just terrible to see what has happened during the final moments and the final years of the Sepp Blatter-led FIFA era that it ended the way it did, and in a way, it was a good way. It was a very good way. All the corruption that was founded in Switzerland, in Zurich, that little hotel, high-priced it may be, rated extremely well by the police in Zurich, led by the FBI here in this United States, the Joint Task Force. The informant, no longer on this earth, Chuck Blazer, the former general secretary of CONCACAF, how he was able to be charged and used as an informant to get the necessary evidence to go and put those bastards in jail. It is wonderful to see a clean FIFA. Hopefully it can continue, and we will have proper football here in our country. It is just absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. that we are going to have clean football without an issue anymore. And all you can say is that I am hoping that the World Cup after this one in four years' time will be the biggest party in this north zone of CONCACAF in North America will prove to everyone nothing beats a great World Cup than to have it in these United States of America with our friends in the north in Canada and our friends in the south in Mexico. I'm just excited for it. I can't wait for it. This will be the best World Cup within the next four years. And we are going to have a lot of fun. Well, ladies and gentlemen, great show for you tonight. We'll talk about the U.S. Under-20 team that's in the uh, CONCACAF Under-20 tournament right now uh, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, It will start the match against the Canadians, and hopefully you will still listen to me while watching that. Red Bull segment to talk about the victory over Toronto FC, that 2-0 victory. But joining me from Sport Business to discuss the big story that happened on Tuesday night, June 14th, or during the day, I should say, as Major League Soccer and Apple 
television join forces for a major 10-year deal for streaming all MLS matches, League's Cup, and everything else involving MLS. Bob Williams joins me from Sport Business to discuss this. Bob, good evening. And I just have to say, this really came out of nowhere. Good evening. This came out of nowhere. As much as Major League Soccer was looking to uh, re-up their broadcast deal with linear television, ESPN, Fox Sports, maybe a new partner with CBS or NBC to rejoin, this Apple TV deal came out of nowhere. Absolutely. I think, you know, everyone has kind of been waiting for this, for MLS to announce this deal for, it seems like, a year now. Um, And as each month has passed since the turn of the year, we've been waiting, waiting, waiting. And there was some kind of rumors that Apple may be involved, but maybe as a second party or a third party. But for Apple to essentially become the dominant rights holder in this deal, not just nationally, but globally, no one expected that. So it's a truly innovative and groundbreaking deal for all sorts of reasons which uh, we'll discuss. But for Apple to get involved in this way, having had you know, a handful of Major League Baseball rights, the whole sports and media industry has been waiting for Apple to get into live sports rights in a major way. And now they have with this deal. So all sorts of leagues in the States and around the world will be keeping a close eye, paying close attention to see how this deal pans out because I'm sure they will want to be part of the Apple uh, ecosystem as well. $250 million a year for 10 years, $2.5 billion altogether that Apple has given Don Garber and the league, which means that this global rights deal is probably the biggest streaming deal that we have ever seen in North American sports. I don't know if it's, I'm assuming it's the biggest that, you know, with NFL going with Amazon Prime, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the National Hockey League. This has to be uh, mind-blowing to many people. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there's, there's so much to unpack here. And, you know, there's, there's elements of risk and reward, and there's still quite a bit of uncertainty around this deal. You know, how much will it cost subscribers? What will, what will the broadcast look like? What ancillary content will there be? Will there be something like the MLS network on Apple, similar to NBA TV or the NFL network, where they can fill content from dawn till dusk every day? They have the right to do this. What linear elements will there be for MLS? That's something still to be discussed. What does it mean in terms of you know, local reach for MLS teams? How effective will they be able to reach local fans? What does it mean for the terms of international reach for the league and so on and so forth. And the thing is, we probably don't know and won't know until about 2027 or 2028 after the 2026 World Cup, which you talked about in your intro. And everyone is expecting this huge lift after the World Cup in terms of the popularity of soccer here in this region and MLS in particular. We won't know until 27 or 28 how it's truly panned out. So there's so much to, to keep an eye on over the next few years. And I have to say this, obviously, with Apple and all their devices, the iPhone, the iPad, the iMac, uh, Apple television on its own, uh, all play, and even non-Apple devices like Samsung, the smart TVs, LG, uh, the gaming consoles like Xbox, PlayStation, uh, cable and satellite, receivers as well, the the World Wide Web, the Chromecast, and Google, uh, just to have everything available through the Apple TV app, depending on where you purchase it in whichever app store you have and whatever phone device you have, this to me is amazing that it's not just aimed at one particular brand and one particular device. Everyone will get it. Right. It's it's stability and consistency. Those MLS and MLS teams and their fans will have stability and consistency for the next 10 years. They will know if they get this Apple product, they will know 
how to how to get games. And, and I'll just give you uh, something happened over the weekend, which is kind of really interesting in terms of how MLS is doing at this moment in time. So there was a game between LA Galaxy and the Portland Timbers, and it was meant to be broadcast on the ESPN network. And because the College Baseball World Series overran, the game initially went to ESP News and then went to ESPN when that event finished. And that, to me, symbolizes that, A, linear television is perhaps not all it's cracked up to be for MLS because, you know, these networks have all these other contracts and, and, and things to negotiate with and work around. And it shows the great benefits of this Apple deal of having all these games in one place. Uh, and obviously, we can talk about it, the removal of the local blackouts, regional TV gone completely. You can go, you can be an MLS fan, you can go to, you can travel to all these different states, still be able to watch the same game. You can go to, on vacation to Europe, go from country to country, still be able to watch it. It's really, it's truly groundbreaking as far as a sports streaming uh, rights package. Talking about the regional broadcasts, obviously with NBC Sports uh, regional networks, Bally Sports regional networks here in New York City, uh, Madison Square Garden Network, as you said, they're out. They're done. Right. This is it. 26 straight years since the league got started in 1996. How big of a blow is that for people like Dave Johnson, who has been around since the beginning calling D.C. United matches, Steve Cangelosi uh, for New York Red Bull matches, Joe Titino for L.A. Galaxy matches. These are the people that uh, the local fans have been listening to for such a long time that, you know, they, whenever their teams are going to be on national television, you know, that's the break from their local announcers. Yeah, it's just so different to how uh, TV has been presented, live sports has been presented in the States in the past with such a local network. But obviously, with these games being on Apple, there isn't a local element to it. So there's no reason why uh, a New York Red Bulls into Miami game should just be focused on the New York Red Bulls, have a New York Red Bulls voice to it. So you really need broadcasters who know about all teams and can present and talk about these both teams in an equal manner. And I imagine some of these broadcasters will be hired by Apple or MLS, uh, but unfortunately a few will be out of work. Um, and likewise, all these regional networks around the country, they've now lost a huge chunk of, of live content. Now for a market where you are in New York, it may not matter quite as much because, you know, you have Major League Baseball and local NBA teams and NHL, and then maybe comes MLS. But for other markets like Atlanta or Seattle where the teams are really quite dominant, or other markets like the Salt Lake City area where there isn't much other competition, they will feel it a lot more as well. Very, very true, and those are the people who I feel bad for. But obviously, as you said, we're going to see probably a good chunk of these play-by-play men and analysts uh, going with uh, the brand-new MLS broadcast. When If you saw the press conference with Don Garber, I have not seen it, so I, I cannot comment on it, but when Don Garber made the press conference about this venture with Apple, did he seem positive? Did he seem negative? Did he feel maybe a bit nervous? Because now Major League Soccer, besides streaming their own content, will now be in the broadcasting business of producing these live matches week in and week out that's not on linear television. Did he seem confident or did he seem nervous? Oh, hugely confident. I think in many ways it's a big win for the league. Obviously there's some risk to it, but number one, they're happy with the money that they have got from Apple. It's reported to be $250 million a year, which is, some people think it's an average. So it may start out as lower over the course of 10 years, but over the course of 10 years, it will average out at $250 million a year. And then on top of that, there is the potential for uh, revenue sharing, it seems, between MLS and Apple 
if the subscriber numbers um, reach a certain level. We, just, we don't know the detail of that. I'm not quite sure we ever will. We ever will. But at this moment in time, MLS is getting about $65 million a year from uh, Fox, Univision, and ESPN as part of a $90 million deal. U.S. soccer got $25 million of that. Then on top of that, there are some regional rights that the team's got, probably not that much. I don't know how much the international rights are. So $250 million a year right now is so much better than what they were getting before. And then the second big part of this is they're in business now with Apple. They are partners with Apple. And Apple is obviously one of the biggest companies in the world uh, in terms of style and content. They do things so well. And they're now looking to get into the, um, the live sports business in a big way. Obviously, Apple TV Plus is um, something that's really just kicking off in this new streaming landscape. It's not quite on the same level as, as a Disney Plus or a Paramount Plus, but it has, you know, everyone around the world has been watching Ted Lasso. So it has these things that are drawing people in. So I think there's huge confidence uh, with MLS about the future of this deal. Um, so, yeah. If I can ask you this, ever since this streaming business has started and has gotten into live production with professional sports here in the States. Is this now, I mean, obviously it's here in the present, but is this the future now? I mean, Apple's involved, Amazon's involved, NBC has Peacock. As you said, CBS has Paramount Plus, ESPN has the ESPN Plus. There might be another stream. I mean, I'm assuming Sky Sports will be having an app over in England somewhere, and maybe one day they'll move into the North American market with a Sky Sports app as well. Is linear television slowly dying? Well, I think this is a very futuristic-looking deal that perhaps will make more sense in about five years' time than it looks now. But, you know, the numbers of people, certainly in the States, who, who watch television, who have cable packages, that's been going down year on year. There's all sorts of, uh, of numbers and, and data that shows this. And all these companies are now investing in streaming in a way to kind of protect themselves for the future and also essentially uh, protect their businesses going forward, knowing that this is the trend. The big difference with this is, is Apple is now a, a big player in this field. And I think a lot of sports Leagues and organizations have been waiting for Apple to get into live sports in the same way that Amazon has because these companies have so much money and such reach. How many people you know, have listening to this program have an Apple phone or an iPad? You know, MLS can now directly access these people through, through this technology. Um, and so it's, it's potentially huge business for Apple as it looks to get involved and, and, and build out Apple TV Plus, just as, a, uh, as Don Garber mentioned um, in his press conference. You know, a Apple uh, has made, made the music industry its own for a long time. It's now done huge things in the news business. So now it's trying to do the same with live sports. So I, th I think this is the future. I think MLS is getting ahead of the curve by doing this deal now rather than in five years' time. But is this the right deal for MLS? in terms of its reach, its growth, in terms of having this subscription service. Again, we'll find out. I think there is some risk to it, but it's probably better than what the situation that they have at this moment in time. And obviously Major League Soccer is still looking for a linear deal. Uh, they're still, as far as I understand, ESPN is still interested in producing uh, linear matches on uh, their regular channels through the cable subscription do and but unfortunately it'll be at least a little bit less than what they normally have been asking for i think it'll be 25 games now that they're asking for including playoffs and the mls cup final uh fox sports has decided i, I would it seems to me they are getting out of the club soccer business and mostly just staying with tournaments like the Euros, the Copa America, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. 
is this what we're expecting to see? Is this what both channels are now moving forward towards? It seems that way based on all sorts of reporting out there that ESPN and Univision, Spanish language, will get some uh, games, but clearly Major League Soccer's linear presence is going to go down uh, in a big way going forward. Um, so you have to wonder in terms of MLS's attempts to draw in casual fans and be part of the wider conversation, what does it mean for MLS to actively decide to reduce its presence on linear television in the States and have no, no presence on regional stations and none on international stations? It's really in, interesting to see how it finds out, but they will still have this linear presence, as you said, about 25 games, so it still be hopefully some will go on ABC as well as ESPN if ESPN uh, gets involved. Uh, they've made it clear that they they're interested. Although interestingly, uh, they also ESPN made it known that they did not bid on MLS streaming rights. At this moment in time, all the out-of-market games are on ESPN Plus. Curious why they didn't bid on that, just in terms of the value that they saw in the league or how much MLS is asking for. So yes, there will still be a linear presence for MLS on TV, but not to the same, same extent that it has now. And it's just a complete unknown as to whether or not this is the right move for them or not. As, as great as this Apple deal is, is having a significantly lower number of games on linear television in, in the States. Is that a good thing or not? We just don't know. I was just curious for your opinion with all the streaming apps that's uh, going on over the oh, right now in the app store. Like I said, we have Peacock with NBC, Paramount Plus with CBS, ESPN Plus. Now Apple's getting involved. Uh, also, Amazon Prime getting involved. They have the Thursday night package from the NFL uh, during the regular season. Is this too much streaming going on for live sports? Or do you feel that we are headed in a direction that will never stop, and this is the future of watching uh, shows as well as live sporting events through our uh, computers and web-enabled devices. Well, unfortunately, I think there's, there's going to be more that, that, that join the market as everyone wants to become part of this space. But one would think there will be failures along the way. We saw uh, Quibi, the short-form um, video platform that collapsed after six months because there just wasn't interest in it. CNN Plus just collapsed very quickly because there wasn't the interest in it. So these new you know, these new uh, subscription services will join and then I guess the market will decide the value and whether they're worth it or not. And obviously having being in business with Apple protects you in a way. But the thing that's different from this MLS subscription service uh, than ESPN Plus or Paramount Plus or Peacock is that it's MLS only, MLS only content. With ESPN Plus, you get all sorts of sports as well as soccer and original content. With Paramount Plus, it's entertainment as well as sport. With Peacock, yes, you get the Premier League, but you get all sorts of other things as well. This is an MLS only streaming service. You could argue that MLS is a niche league. So who is this appealing to? Sure, MLS diehard fans will subscribe to it. Maybe some casual fans too. But realistically, how many people are going to pay? We don't know how much it's going to cost. But what is the value? It's just MLS is betting on itself. That's the real difference. It's MLS only. And um, you could say it's a risk in that regard because, as I said, MLS is still a bit of a niche league within the States and within the soccer landscape. So its content and its production will really have to be next level and its storytelling to get people to, to buy into it. So, again, we'll have to find out how it plays out. I, I also think um, people who are season ticket holders for their respective clubs in Major League Soccer – will get a free account for the Apple TV uh, to watch their clubs. And I think, I, I think that's the biggest thing uh, involved in this when it comes to people who are season ticket holders 
at their home grounds that they won't have to worry about. It'll be included in their season ticket holder package. And I think that's just wonderful uh, if you are a season ticket holder uh, for your respective MLS club. Yeah, I'm sure that will encourage people to buy season tickets or keep hold of them if they were thinking of reducing whatever ticket package that they have. So I, I think that's great. But beyond the diehard fan, who, you know, one has to ask, is a casual fan, a casual soccer fan, a casual MLS fan, a non-fan going to subscribe to this when you probably already have ESPN Plus and Paramount Plus and Peacock? If you're a general sports fan in the New York area, you're now going to have to sign up to this MLS subscription package as well as to a yes uh, package to, to see the New York Yankees and so on all around the country. It's another thing for sports fans to buy. And is it going to be as well as what they have already or is it going to be instead of something else? You know, inflation is going up. We know all this. How much disposable income do people, do, do these sports fans have? And again, many big questions about the structure and, and, and the strategy behind it. And that's very true, and we'll see what happens as we move in closer into the future and uh, count down the months and the day, the days and the months uh, when uh, this 2022 season is over and we start a brand new 2023 season with Apple TV. Uh, Bob Williams, Sport Business, joins me today, and thank you, Bob, very much for discussing this huge event, this huge moment in Major League Soccer as they make this move, not only uh, locally, but worldwide as well. Thank you for your time, and uh, talk to you again soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me back on the show. Thank you. Bob Williams, once again, of Sport Business, talking about Major League Soccer's brand-new television rights deal, streaming rights deal with Apple TV, both domestically, here in the States and in Canada, as well as the global rights of broadcasting Major League Soccer matches across the world on all Apple and non-Apple devices, TVs, and Internet streaming. Uh, this is a huge deal that, um, you know, for for not everyone, you know, will probably be involved in streaming. Of course, they're going to be as involved as much as they can. And, you know, for some... It's just a headache because you're paying a certain amount for Paramount Plus, which is like $4.99. Uh, ESPN by itself without the Disney bundle, I believe it's like around 5 or six ninety nine uh, a month. If you get the Disney bundle, it's definitely more than $10. Uh, Peacock offering five ninety nine a month, I believe. And now it's all depending on... Do you need to get the Apple TV app or do you need to get or does MLS need to build its own app again in the app in the app stores to create a separate app but be a part of the Apple TV uh situation that's the biggest question mark we have right now and so we'll have to wait and see what will be the number one issue uh when it comes to pricing an MLS app through the app stores, whether it be the Play uh, App Store through Google and and Samsung or the App Store on Apple uh, through all Apple devices. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, maybe if you do have an Apple uh, device that you don't have to worry about paying for it, that you might get it for free. But that's still, uh, you know, question marks that are still going to be out there. We'll have to wait and see within the next couple of months what deal that both Apple and Major League Soccer will do to get these moments together and uh, what will work for everyone. At the moment right now, for the uh, situation at hand, it sounds like it's a great deal. This is the future of watching live sports, linear television, slowly dying like the newspaper business is slowly dying, everything on the web everything through the computers. It is going to be a very, very interesting day when all of these cable subscriptions 
maybe even the satellite subscriptions will be thrown to the wayside and everything will be through Apple, Amazon, Paramount Plus, Peacock. No more Comcast. Maybe Comcast will be doing something a little bit different through their Xfinity cable business and we'll just have to wait and see what will happen. Not just for local channels, but also these other channels that you get. The smart televisions like Samsung and LG. So we're going to have to wait and see what will happen. But once again, thank you to Bob Williams of Sport Business joining me tonight to discuss Apple TV, MLS, uh, streaming rights deal. Go to my friends at World Soccer Talk. I added my two cents to the only negative of this deal, which is, of course, the ending of the regional sports networks that give out the broadcasting for their local clubs, Valley Sports, NBC Sports, regional networks, local television coverage, and, of course, you know MSG Network here in New York City and the tri-state area in northern New Jersey and southern Connecticut. And now, as I've said, going on currently, the second group stage match for the U.S. under-20 men's national team as they are taking on Canada currently right now. It is scoreless here in the first half. The opening 12 minutes have gone by between these two sides. United States right now with a plus 10 on the differential, even though uh, Cuba won their match. With, they have six points right now. We'll see if the USA can get a victory here. But I want to talk about something that another podcast said. And this is, of course, uh, to the tactical manager talking about this U.S. under-20 men's national team. I think it's terrible that U.S. soccer does not care about this team, nor do they care about this tournament. Especially with double jeopardy involved. And when I say double jeopardy, I'm talking about two tournaments to qualify for. For CONCACAF, obviously it's a little bit different this time of year. Because in a normal setting, you would have this under-20 men's national team tournament within the Confederation battling for the right to be a part of a FIFA under-20 World Cup. In two years' time, we will have the Summer Olympics in Paris, France. And that means could be another Olympic qualifying tournament within CONCACAF. This under-20 tournament will now count as Olympic qualifying as well. So what will happen advancing to both tournaments? Well, it's really simple. If the U.S. men's under-20 national team does reach the quarterfinals and wins their quarterfinal matchup, they will be going to the under-20 FIFA World Cup, which means they will be advancing to the semifinals of the tournament in CONCACAF. If they advance to the final, to the championship final of this under-20 tournament in CONCACAF, then that would mean they would qualify for the 2024 CONCACAF, excuse me, the 2024 Summer Olympic Games. And they would be advancing into two different tournaments and that is something that U.S. soccer cannot ignore they must not ignore 
I think it would be really shameful. Really, really shameful. And it, it would be really disheartening really really disheartening to see the United States either qualifying for one tournament and not for the other possibly not qualifying for either tournament at all depending on where they will advance in the knockout stage Because if they are the winners of Group E, they will go into the round of 16 against Nicaragua. And then whoever they face in the quarterfinals, that's going to be a huge match. And then they have to play another huge match in the semifinals. So for the U.S. Soccer Federation, especially in this particular tournament, To see them not caring for these kids fighting for dominance in the under-20s within this region, I think it is wrong. I think it is grossly a misunderstatement, and I really believe that what they need to do is really stand behind these players go out and find a way to support them and go out and put these games on the main U.S. Men's National Team Twitter page, not just the U.S. Youth National Team Twitter page. And as I'm speaking to you now already, Canada leading the U.S. by a goal to nil in the 13th minute scored by uh, Justin Smith, who is the captain for this under-20 side for Canada. And he found a way to sneak it in past Brady in goal for the USA. And so right now the U.S. is uh, in, in a mess right now, being down by a goal. And hopefully they can find a way to get back. Canada looking for a second here. And just missing on the cross is Canada, and they're they're going to try and find a way to for the U.S. now to attack and go the other way, and we'll see what happens. And right now the U.S. is advancing into the Canadian side of the pitch. Nice movement. Tripped up inside the area, and is it a free kick? It is a free kick. The foul occurred outside the area. And once again, this tournament, is being played in Honduras. VAR, of course, is in play in the under-20 CONCACAF tournament. So we'll have to wait and see what will happen moving forward, going in there. And we're seeing where the foul is on replay, and it is just outside the area. And for the U.S., let's see what they can do on this free kick. But once again... For U.S. soccer, we all know the priorities are making a a regular World Cup. We all know that. But when you have the kids fighting to reach a World Cup themselves, especially, especially this particular tournament, that is now involving not just the under-20 World Cup through FIFA, but the Olympic tournament as well. And we haven't been to the Olympics qualifying-wise within three to four different, three to four cycles. We've gotten close, but not close enough. We got into a third-place match through qualifying, and it couldn't even qualify for the Olympics through that even though they took the lead free kick was saved by Canada's keeper by Ben Alexander big save from him 
So all you can say right now, Canada looking strong at the moment with the lead. It is absolutely fantastic. It has just been absolutely great, absolutely wonderful that if the U.S. can qualify for two different tournaments, that they could break a jinx just like they broke the four-year jinx by not qualifying for the 2018 Main World Cup and getting into Qatar for 2022. It is great to see that happen and wonderful to see that happen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for the Red Bull segment. 2-0 victory over Toronto FC. Once again, from the last match against DC United, it is both Lewis Morgus and Luquinhas who have converted for goals. Second minute. Lewis Morgan scoring his fourth goal against Toronto this season with the hat trick earlier in the year. Slips in into a position where he wasn't even covered. Corner from John Tolkien from the far side, and he snap snap heads it in to make it 1-0. And then Lukinas does it again with a magical chip shot to beat Westberg to make it 2-0. The Red Bulls playing some solid defense. Carlos Coronel once again coming up huge to keep the clean sheet alive. And they're getting ready to move forward now to the Open Cup this coming Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern at Red Bull Arena, streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. This, my friends is what we have been hoping and waiting for. Big advancement into the Open Cup for a chance to play for a title. And hopefully for the Red Bulls, can advance into the Open Cup semis in July when we get there. Or when they get there, excuse me. For the New York Red Bulls, their home form is starting to come back. Two consecutive home victories at Red Bull Arena after an 0-4-2 start. Zero wins, four draws, and two losses. The New York Red Bulls finally earning some victories, getting six points, ten points at home now. Racking up the wins to start this. Sooner or later is bound to come. Only losing twice on the road with five road victories and a road draw. Six, one, and two. The New York Red Bulls are now showing what they are trying to do with a mixture of youth and veteran play. And the hope for the summer window possibility of transfers coming in, two targets for the Red Bulls through Gerhard Struber to bring some big-time players in, hopefully, and at the same time, the new director of sport in Joachim Snyder. Hopefully, we're going to get ourselves some big-time players. And I'm not expecting superstars. I'm expecting players that are good enough, strong enough to come into <coughs> excuse me, to come into Major League Soccer and to be a big time help for this club. The hope to see this summer window coming in 
and bring in some players that can definitely make a difference and add on to the Lucinius factor and the Lewis Morgan factor. So hopefully for the Red Bulls and for Gerhard Struber, they do find those targets that they can acquire, bring it in, and find a way to go out and make a big run into the playoffs and make a big playoff run to that elusive MLS Cup championship. And so far, I think we're seeing great play, fantastic defense, everything working well for the Red Bulls. And hopefully they will be the ones to reap the benefits and enjoy the fruits of their labor. Once again, this Wednesday night, the U.S. Open Cup semifinals. This will be the third time that the New York Red Bulls and New York City FC will be facing each other in the Open Cup. Only this time, it will be deeper into the tournament. Deeper into the tournament. The last two times where they faced them in the early rounds, especially in the fourth round, where the Red Bulls got two consecutive victories. Two consecutive victories over New York City FC. And if you really think about it for New York City FC, they've been in the Open Cup in their first four years. First two times against the New York Cosmos and losing both games to them. The next two games against the New York Red Bulls and losing against them. So in reality even though the Cosmos are not playing right now, New York City in Open Cup play is 0 for 4 in the Open Cup against New York City MLS teams. 0 and 4 for NYC area teams. So as of right now, this is, a, uh, this is a big opportunity for the Red Bulls, especially this group. Seven points last year, a victory at Yankee Stadium, a draw and a win at Red Bull Arena. For seven points out of nine to go out and earn another victory against this, red, uh, against this blue side of New York to try and get into the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup and take on either Nashville or Orlando City. This will be a big test for the New York Red Bulls to take on the defending MLS Cup champions. And currently, if you're looking at the Eastern Conference standings, at the table you will see New York City FC in first place with 27 points, but the New York Rebels now in second place behind by a single point. They have 26. So as of right now, the New York Rebels are starting to turn it on and they're starting to pour it on after they'll be home this coming Wednesday on the road at Los Angeles FC over at the Bank of California Stadium. And that will be seen on ABC at 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific. This is a big moment for the Red Bulls to try and continue on to earn points, not just at home, but on the road. And, and also an opportunity for the Red Bulls go out and take a bite out of a Supporters Shield lead 
from LAFC. Currently, LAFC leading in the shield with 30 points. The Red Bulls right now with 26. If they get a huge victory over LAFC at the Bank of California Stadium, they will be a point behind them. They will be in second place overall in the supporter shield. And we could have a shield race in the middle of the season. And it's up to the Red Bulls, LAFC, New York City FC, Austin FC, Real Salt Lake, even I would say Philadelphia Union and FC Dallas, and even Orlando City, to start ratcheting it up towards the back end of this regular season. We'll see what happens going forward. But one thing is for sure, this is going to be a lot of fun. It all depends on who will survive and get to the end of the regular season and who will drop off. This is getting exciting, folks. This is getting exciting. And I cannot wait for this. Cannot wait to see what will happen here when you will have this shield race going forward. And we will see what happens if the New York Red Bulls can continue this wonderful pace. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be a lot of fun. Personally, I'm excited to watch this, and I cannot wait to see what will happen here. But still, there's still plenty of games to go. We still have a summer of soccer to get to. And don't forget, we got two league games remaining against New York City FC as well. Next month in July, and then, of course, later on around September, October. But we shall see what will happen, and hopefully the Red Bulls will go out, find a way to get the necessary points, and really make it exciting for everyone. They have to find a way to do this, and we'll see what they can do moving forward. As of right now, the U.S. under-20s are trying to find a way to get back in the match against Canada. They're down by a goal. Canada now attacking. We'll see if they can find a way in this first half to pull one back and get that equalizer. For the U.S., they've been playing a little bit sloppy, especially in the attacking end but hopefully they can find a way to get back into this and get that equalizing uh, goal. And then we'll see what the changes will be made in the second half. Canada not having a great opening match against Cuba, but they are up for it against the U.S. tonight at the National Stadium. And hopefully they can get that second goal, excuse me, that get that equalizing goal if they're able to. They have the ball now in the Canadian area. Looking to make a move pass just outside the Canadian area. Canada really trying to defend here and they're doing so successfully. U.S. regains possession. We'll see what happens here along the near side. Now inside the area. Quick cross. Turnaround shot save made. Rebound just cleared away, but not all the way out. U.S. back with the ball. Going to the far side now. Poor cross. Canada will have possession. Opportunity for Canada 
to play defense, but also good opportunity for the U.S. But once again, to sustain that attack just could not really show it. Canada now sending the ball down, the U.S. trying to find a way to prevent it from going all the way down to their net. They do regain possession. Does go back to their goalkeeper and Alexander Brady. And now the U.S. is going to try and build from the back and move forward. Big moment here for the United States. No time to panic, of course. They are down by a goal. And as of right now, the differential is at a minus nine, now attacking down the far side. U.S. with the ball, cross into the middle at midfield. Now to the near side. Canada holding on. Canada, I should say, defending very well, pushing up, (coughs) finding a way to frustrate the U.S. They're allowing the U.S. to get chances, but their goalkeeper is finding a way to make saves. And now, trying to make a run. Canada forcing the U.S. to pass back and continuing to play back in midfield. Now moving forward. Now trying to do something with the possession. Finding a way now. Now moving forward along the near side. Quick cross inside the area. Back up top. Poor pass once again. And Canada doing a great job of defending here and preventing the U.S. from getting any sniff of net that they can. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this will do it for tonight's show. You can go ahead and watch the rest of this match on TUDN in Spanish language or on any CONCACAF platforms. You can see quick shot wide of the near post. Good opportunity just wide of the near post from Cade Cowell. Had a chance to put it in the back of the net. Sadly, missed it. So I want to thank my guest tonight, Bob Williams from Sport Business, to talk about the Apple MLS rights deal, the streaming deal moving forward. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now.